All right, Rabbi good morning. Good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors. To thank our Tamadora sponsors for the month of Adar Beis. To thank Leah Sol for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in honor of those who organized the beautiful and meaningful groundbreaking and as well as those who work so hard on behalf of the shul each and every day. Beautiful sponsorship and dedication. We thank Leah. Well, so with that, let us begin. So we have a very exciting daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Chof Vav 26. And we are picking up Emir Tzanshem on Chof Hei Amud Beis 25b. And we are picking up Kadeyayim Bekade Shemen. It's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 lines up from the bottom. So remember again, the Mishnah, up until now we've been speaking about, we've been speaking about one of the Chumras, or a couple of the Chumras, that Chuma has over Kodesh, right? We began, we began the Perek by speaking about the stringencies that Kodesh has over Truma, and now we've transitioned to speaking about the Chumras that Truma has over Kodesh. So in the last part of the Mishnah, the Mishnah is focusing on Kadiyayin Bekadei Shemen, literally the jugs, the utensils that go ahead and hold wine and oil, Hamidumaos. Now remember again, Dimua, we actually just had this in Shabbos' Mishnah Yomi as well, Dimua usually refers to a mixture of Truma and Chulin, or as Rashi points out over here, Tevel, Truma, and Chulin, right? Untied, Ta Truma, Chulin, all mixed together. So the, so the Mishnah says over here that Halacha when it comes to the jugs, ultimately again, once again, Ne'emanen Alein Bishas Hagitos, Ba'abadin. So Ame Aritz are believed regarding the ritual purity of the jugs at the time of the wine pressing and olive pressing seasons, but not only that, also 70 days prior to the olive or the wine pressing season as well. Okay, Chevron Zoom, you hear me all right? So, Chevron Zoom, you hear me all right? Oh, it's iffy. Okay. I don't know, maybe it's an internet issue, I'm not sure. It's, it's slow, it could be an internet issue. Yeah. You know what? I give this to you guys, yeah. and you take break. Yeah. Okay, so, so the so we'll say so. Therefore, again, with that, the Mishnah says the Mishnah says as the Gemara says as follows. So Tana truma. So we'll say so. The we learned that ultimately, again, Amir Aretz are not believed neither on the Kankanim on the jugs nor on truma. So we'll say so. Says the Gemara Kankanim demai. So what are we talking about? What type of jugs are we referring to? If you're talking about the jugs of Kodesh, so Migo de Mehemen Akodesh, Mehemen Nami Akankanim. So at the end of the day, if we are believed regarding Kodesh, so then we should be, be, be believed regarding the regarding the jugs as well. In other words, I will say, if at the end of the day the Amaaret is believed regarding the contents of the jug then he certainly should be believed regarding the actual utensil itself. Rather, we must be talking, and again, we've already established that Amir Aretz are believed when it comes to Kodesh. Ela kankanim de truma. Rather, it must be referring ultimately to the jugs of truma, to which the Gemara says, Pshita, hashta truma lo mehemen, akankanim mehemen. Well, here's the problem. How could that be? Because at the end of the day, if we just establish that an Amir Aretz is not normally believed regarding the actual contents, the truma itself, then how could he believe, be believed regarding the jugs? Ella, so again, what the Gemara is asking over here is, I don't understand, the jug really shouldn't be any different than the contents. So if we're talking, if you're telling me that Amaris is believed regarding Kodesh, then he should be believed regarding the jugs of Kodesh also. And if he's not believed regarding Truma, then he's not going to be believed regarding the, regarding the jug of Truma as well. So I'll say this is fascinating. Ella, bereikanim de Kodesh ubishayimos hashana, ubimaleyin de Truma ubishas hagidos. Rather, says the Gemara, what are we referring to over here? Listen to this. We're referring to the empty utensils that were used for Kodesh throughout the year and with jugs that are filled with truma at the time of the pressing season. Now look at Rashi for just a moment. So Rashi says, 
Sebo said, this is actually quite fascinating. Technically speaking, if you have jugs that were used for Kodesh, but now the Kodesh was emptied out. Once the Kodesh was emptied out, then Halacha Lamaisa, um, once, once the Kodesh is emptied out, then Halacha Lamaisa, one no longer has credibility regarding that particular jug. In other words, the credibility regarding the judge, the judge, the jug for Kodesh is only when the Kodesh is inside of the jug. But once the Kodesh has been emptied out, there's no longer any level of kashrus upon the jug itself. That's for Kodesh. Ubishari Rashi says, So when it comes to jugs of Kodesh, an Amarth is only believed regarding the jug when the Kodesh is inside of the jug. But once the contents are emptied out, so the Amaaris loses his credibility vis-a-vis that jug. What about by Truma? This is absolutely fascinating. Let's take a step back for just a moment. Why is it that Ama Aretz is believed regarding Truma during the pressing season? Right? We never spoke about this. Right? We, we, know, we know rules. What, what's the rule? The rule is that an Ama Aretz has credibility regarding Kodesh throughout the year and has credibility regarding Truma only during the pressing season. Why? Why? But say here Rashi explains it, and it's absolutely fascinating. Look at that Rashi once more. Chazal did not levy, did not impose Tuma upon the Truma of an Amaret during the pressing season. Right? Why? It's very simple. It's because if you go ahead and you say that the Truma of an Amaret is tummy during the pressing season, who loses? Who loses? The Kohanim. The Kohanim. And I will say, by the way, are most people Ami Haaretz? This is a dangerous question to answer. Right? Yeah, kind of. Right? Kind of. In other words, remember, Ami is not a pejorative term. Ami is is just reflective of that most people are not versed in the halachos of Tumantara. So if you start saying that the truma of an Amaaretz is tummy at the time of the pressing season, the, the real losers, right? The real people who lose out on that are the Kohanim, right? Because the Kohanim are going to, to miss out on a huge portion of truma. The name says, Mafsidin Merov Trumos Eretz Yisrael. But say, look at the wording of Rashi. See, Rashi says it. Rashi says the majority of people are Ameha Aretz for this particular situation. And therefore, Halacha if you go ahead and you make the Trumos of an Ama Aretz Tame, the Kohanim are going to lose in a dramatic fashion. So I'll say, so isn't this absolutely incredible? Right? So really, now we understand it. Really, the Truma of an Ama Aretz, if I'm a Kohen, I shouldn't touch it. Because Amiya Aretz are not versed in the laws of Tumantara, and therefore Allah Khalamaisafta Sum it's Tame. Khazal said, I but during the pressing season. We'll say, by the way, does it even make sense? So during the pressing season, suddenly again, Amiya Aretz become Kamdi Khachamim. Right? During the pressing season, they know what to do. Well, if they know what to do during the pressing season, then they should know what to do with the rest of the year. If we believe them during the pressing season, we should believe them during the rest of the year. And the answer is, so we'll say, you see this a lot in this halacha of demai, right? You see, you see how when Chazal go ahead, we actually just had this in Mishnah Yoma also. You see that when it comes to dealing with Ameha Aretz, Chazal essentially relax or suspend their halachos concerning an Ameha Aretz when it either causes undue hardship or undue loss. So in this case over here, it's undue loss. If you say, that a Kohen cannot eat from the truma of an Ama Aretz, even during the pressing season, they're going to lose an incredible amount. Now finish the Rashi. However, however, this dispensation was only on the truma of the Ama Aretz. What is it not on? This is fascinating. This is just fascinating. The, the license, the license to go ahead the license to go ahead and halacha lemaisa to go ahead and the license to go ahead and she's good because the video is not on Zoom. Okay, thank you. The the license to go ahead and 
and enjoy the truma of an amaaret is only on the truma. It does not apply to the jugs. It does not apply to the jugs. The jugs themselves, the coin can't use. Look at Rashi says. So listen to this. If you're a coin and you're being mekabel truma from an amaaret, listen to this. You can accept the truma. What can't you accept from the from the amaaret? His jugs, right? His utensils. His utensils. Listen to this. So I'll say essentially what it means is when you're the Kohen and you're getting truma from an Amaaretz, you ask the Amaaretz to transfer the contents into your jug, right? Into the Kohen's jug, into the Kohen's utensils. You can't take the utensils of the Amaaretz. He said, So I'll say therefore again, as follows that. Essentially, essentially, the ritual purity of the truma of an ama aretz during the pressing season is only on the truma itself, but does not devolve upon the utensils of the ama aretz. Pretty incredible. So the Gemara goes right there. Tinan, kadi yain vekadi shamanamidumos. So what say? So the Mishnah spoke about jugs of wine and jugs of oil that are midumos. So my love midumos the truma that I will say as we mentioned before we saw in Mishnah dimua usually refers to a mixture of truma chulin tevel it does not usually refer to kodesh yet again the subject of the Mishnah is kodesh so I'm going to be Rabbi Chia midumos the kodesh he says no 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 in this case the dimua refers to dimua of kodesh umi ika dimua le kodesh but again that term dimua doesn't usually apply to kodesh. Amri Divi Rabbi Loi, Bimitar Estivlo, Lito Mimenu Nisachim. Ultimately, again, what's the case over here? The case over here is where a person is being mitaher, his tevel. He's going ahead and purifying his tevel in order ultimately to separate out libations from his tevel. That's why it uses the Lushan ultimately of Dimua. Beautiful. Kodem Legitos Shivimyom. So remember again, the Mishnah said not only that, but jugs, right? The utensils have a presumed ritual purity even 70 days prior to, prior to the pressing season. We learn from this. So Rabbi says, you just learned from here a separate halacha, which is that the sharecropper has an obligation to go ahead and secure proper utensils to contain, right, from the pressing, from the wine pressing, from the olive pressing, 70 days before the pressing. Good. Just learning, learning an interesting halacha vis-a-vis the responsibilities, vis-a-vis the responsibilities, ultimately, again, of the sharecropper. Beautiful. So we'll say we now come to the Mishnah. So now a continuation of the halacha. So we'll say really fascinating, fascinating sugya. Says the Mishnah, so we'll say from Modi'im and into Yerushalayim. Right? So again, remember, so Rashi points out over here, So Modi'im is the name of a city that's within 15 mil of Yerushalayim. Excuse me, Pesachim. So we'll say now we're switching gears a little bit. What are we talking about over here? So we'll say, so now we're talking about the ritual purity regarding a klicheres. Right, so So from Modi'im and on, ultimately we are believed regarding, or I should say, Ame'aretz are believed regarding the ritual purity of earthenware utensils. Now we'll say, let, let's get a little bit of a background over here. Take a look at Rashi. So Rashi says, Rashi says, Modi'im, Shem Krach, Rachok Mirshalayim Tesvav Mil. So once again, so Modi'im is a city that is 15 mil away from Yerushalayim. Kedar Masechas, Psachim, Mimenu Velifnim, Litzad Yerushalayim, Ne'emonin Kadorin Amiya Aretz, Likach Mehen Klicheres Hadakim. So we'll say, so now listen to this. From Modi'in and in. Now, in means towards Yerushalayim. So from Modi'in to Yerushalayim, so 
so am ha'aretz potters. Yes, that's the right word, right? Somebody makes earthenware utensils. Right? So am ha'aretz potters are believed ultimately, again, regarding the ritual purity of small earthenware vessels. Kigon, kederos, kosos, vikitonios. So we're not talking about large storage utensils, but rather small everyday usage utensils. So cups, plates, these are the kind of things that people just need for everyday use. Okay, so watch, there's a lot, a lot happening over here. Now remember, we're going to see, we're going to see on the next daf, you can't make earthenware utensils in Yerushalayim. It's fascinating. Why can't you make earthenware utensils in Yerushalayim? Because earthenware utensils require a kiln. kiln. A kiln generates smoke. We don't want any smoke producing activities in Yerushalayim because it blackens the walls of the city. And we want the beauty of Yerushalayim to be maintained, to be maintained, and therefore no kilns in Yerushalayim. Now I will say, what that means, if there are no kilns in Yerushalayim, so earthenware utensils are staples of everyday use. So here's the issue. Normally we would say in a vacuum, we would say, can you purchase earthenware utensils from an Amaretz in a vacuum? Can you purchase, can you purchase it? No, because again, Amaretz are not careful with the laws of Tum and Tara. Earthenware utensils are even more complicated, right? Because at the end of the day, once they become Tameh, they can't become Tahar, right? There's no way to purify them. But listen to this. Nevertheless, the Mishnah says, Chazal cannot create a gzera that creates undue hardship upon the general populace. So on one hand, we can't make earthenware utensils in Yerushalayim. If you tell people that they can't go ahead and purchase earthenware utensils from Ame Haaretz, it's impossible. It's an impossible situation. So what did Chazal say? They said, you know what? You could purchase earthenware utensils every day from an Ama Aretz from Modi'in inwards towards Yushalayim. Because the hope is that, that, that merchants close to Yushalayim will have a little bit more of a sensitivity to the halachos of ritual purity and impurity. And therefore, halachalam, I see you could go ahead and purchase from them. So back to the Mishnah. That's the introduction. So ultimately, again, so you are, you are believed, you are permitted to go ahead and purchase earthly utensils from an Amaretz. But from out, Modi'in and out. So we'll say that means from Modi'in and further away from Yerushalayim. We'll see what the status of Modi'in itself is. You are not believed, or you are not permitted to go ahead and purchase earthenware utensils from an Ama Aretz. Keitzad, so what's the example? Hakedar, Shehu Mocher Hakederos, Nichnas Lifnim Minamodiim, Hu Hakedar, Vehein Hakederos, Vehein Alochin Neamon. So this is actually interesting. So therefore, how does this play out? So the Mishnah says, if the potter is the one who is selling the utensils, comes in from Modi'in towards Yerushalayim. He's the potter selling his wares directly to the purchasers, Ne'eman. Ultimately, he's permitted. Yatsa, Eino Ne'eman. So we'll say, here's what's interesting. You could have the same guy with the same utensils. Same guy with the same utensils. If he's outside of Modi'in, further away from Yerushalayim, can you buy from him? No. Same guy, same utensils, sets up shop inside of Modi and close to Yerushalayim. Can you buy from him? Yes. 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 But again, the mission just gives certain criteria. This is provided that ultimately, again, it is the potter himself who is the seller, who ultimately is selling only his wares and directly to the purchaser. Incredible. So it says the Gimartano. Modi'im. What about Modi'im itself? So mostly here's what's interesting. What, what's the status of the city of Modi'im itself? In other words, we've been talking about inside of Modi'im, outside of Modi'im. I, that I understand. What about a seller in Modi'im itself? Can you purchase in the city? Says, well, listen to this. Tana, Modi'im, pamim kilifnim, pamim kilachutz. Sometimes, sometimes Modi'im is like inside, in other words, closer to Yushalayim, and sometimes 
is like outside of Yerushalayim. Kate said, what's an example of this? Kate, listen to this. Kedar Yotze, Nichnas, Kilifnim. This is fascinating. So let's imagine the following situation. The potter, the potter, is that we'll call this, for our purpose, we'll call this interior area, exterior area. Interior area, for our purposes, represents between Modim and Yerushalayim. Exterior represents outside of Modim, away from Yerushalayim. So we'll say, watch this case. This is great. So listen to this. Kedar Yotze, imagine you have the Kedar leaving the interior area, the Chaver Nichnas. But the Chaver is coming in from the exterior area. And where do they meet? Where do they meet? Ultimately, again, Kilifnim. They meet in Modi'im. In that case, Modi'im is considered like an interior area. Right? Now, why is that? Now, this is quite fascinating. Why is that? Because if you don't treat it like an interior area, what's going to happen? The Chaver is going to lose the opportunity to purchase the earthenware utensils. Because presumably, presumably, where is the Kedar? Where is the potter going? He's going towards the exterior area. So right now, again, the chaver is going, excuse me, the, the kedar, the potter is going out, the chaver is coming in, they meet in modi'im, we want to give the chaver the opportunity to purchase the earthenware utensils, therefore modi'im itself will be treated like the interior area. However, shnehan nichnasim, shnehan nichnasim, what if they're both coming into modi'im? Oh, shnehan yotzim. Or they're both going out, right? In other words, Shnei Nechnasim means they're both coming in from the exterior area, or they're both going out from the interior area, Kilachutz. Modi'im is considered to be like the exterior area. Why is that? Because listen to this. If they're both going in, then Rashi says, just let the Chavar wait until they're out of the city, more closer, closer to Yerushalayim. And if they're going out, then why didn't the Chavar purchase the utensils already earlier when they were both in the interior area? In that case, Modi'in will be treated like an exterior area. Incredible. We also learn this. We also learn this. Ultimately, again, if the potter sold the pots, and he goes inside, he goes into the interior, and he's going ahead and enters in the interior area between Modi'im and Yerushalayim. The reason you're permitted to purchase from him is why? Because he's in the interior area between Modi'im and Yerushalayim. But it would appear from this, based on the Reisha, that Modi'im itself, ultimately, again, you're not believed. Seifa, yet look at the end of the Mishnah, Yatza, ultimately again, if Halacha Lamaisa, you left, Eino Ne'eman, ultimately again, if you left Modi'in, he's not believed, Ha Modi'im Gufa Ne'eman. So it sounds like again, in Modi'in itself, ultimately again, he is Ne'eman. So which one is it? Right? Is, is ultimately, is the potter believed in Modi'im or not? It comes out over here as follows. That halacha there are essentially two, we'll call it, it's really two cases. Case number one, case number one is where the potter is going out and the chaver is coming in, right? And where do they meet? Where do they meet? They meet in Modi'in. What's the in that case, Modi'in is considered to be like the interior area. Because again, if we don't give the Chavar the opportunity to purchase the earthenware utensils, then he's not going to have access to them again. But in the second case, the second case really comprised of two cases, where Halacha Lamai said they're both walking in together. So from the exterior to the interior together. So ultimately, again, in that case, we'll treat Modi'in like what? Like exterior, why? Because we'll just tell the Chavar, listen, you're both walking in anyway. Just wait until you get further into the interior area and purchase the utensils there. Similarly, when they're both walking out from the interior to the exterior, and now they're in Modi'im, we'll treat Modi'im like the inside, because there we tell the Chavar, why didn't you purchase the utensils when you were in the interior area? Beautiful. So essentially, sometimes Modi'in is treated like the interior, sometimes Modi'in is treated like the exterior. It simply depends on the orientation of the Chavar 
and the Kedar, Kedar being the potter. Beautiful. Tana. Ne'emonin b'klicheres hadakin, hadakin l'kodesh. So let's listen to this. So we learned that ultimately, again, this is our Mishnah, that a that the Amaaretz is believed regarding klecheres, earthenware utensils, to small earthenware utensils, to be used for Kodesh purposes. Take a look at Rashi Abosai, second wide line on the top of Rashi. So Rashi says as follows. Remember again, we're not talking about all earthenware utensils. We're talking about, as Rashi already said this in the Mishnah, we're talking about small earthenware utensils. I will say, these are the type of utensils that are necessary for day-to-day life. So remember again, this was the, the cups, the plates, right? The small utensils necessary for day-to-day life. I'm reading Rashi. But I will say, but ultimately again, large utensils like barrels for wine, they're only believed inside of Yerushalayim itself. That's Rashi. That's Rashi. So we'll say, so therefore I'll go back to the Gemara. So, so when we're talking about that Amaretz is believed regarding earthenware utensils, it's only for small utensils to be used with Kodesh. Amaretz Lakish, Rish Lakish says, by the way, what does it mean small utensils? Talking about the type of utensil that could be handled with one hand. One hand. So Rabbi Yochanan, Amra, Fidu, Shalom, Nitlan, Biyado, Achas. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, it could even be something that's a little bit larger, that maybe it requires two hands. But the point is, it's day-to-day usage utensils as opposed to storage utensils. Amra, Yishlakish, Lo, Shano, Ela, Reikonin, Ava, Furthermore, Yishlakish says, we're only talking about utensils that are empty. But anything that's full, they don't have credibility for. Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, no, Afilu, Meleim, Rabbi Yochanan says, even if the even if the utensils are full, and even if afikorsuso, so Rashi says over here, afikorsuso is afilu malayan mashkin shalo shinin shal kodesh. Even if the utensil right is filled, ultimately again, even if it's filled, ultimately again with the mashkin with the liquids of the amaaretz. Ultimately, again, he still believed. Incredible. Vam Rav, Rav says, Omod Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, Rabbi Yochanan agrees, Pemashke Atzman Shehin Temeyin. Rabbi Yochanan this is actually fascinating. Rabbi Yochanan says, But Allah Chalamaisa, even Rabbi Yochanan agrees that Allah Chalamaisa, the mashke itself, is Tameh. Right? In other words, the mashkin of the Amaaretz is Tameh, even though the utensil is going to be tar. And don't be, don't, don't, don't be crazed by this. Don't wonder about this. And I will say, how can you have a situation where halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, the utensil is tar, but the contents are tamein, shahari lagin, mali mashkin, because I will say, if you have a, lagin is a wooden utensil, cleates, right? If you have a wooden utensil that's filled ultimately with liquid, lagin tamein, tumas shiva, umashkin tahorin. Ultimately, again, you could have a situation where halacha lemaisa, the utensil itself could become tameh, a tumah for seven days, and ultimately, again, the mashkin could be tar. So I'll say Rashi points out over here that halacha lemaisa, this could be a situation where you have tumah on the first floor of a house, a klicheres, right, with an opening to the second floor, a klicheres blocking it. We're not going to get into the intricacies over here, but the point the Gemara is making is you could have a situation where the kli has one state, and ultimately, again, the contents of the kli have a different status in halacha. Good. So, so bottom line, what we take away from this particular from this particular Mishnah is, remember, this is not really focused as much on the chumras of truma or kodesh, but really focused on a very another very important halacha, which is the status of earthenware utensils. And therefore, again, the sugya teaching us that halacha lemaisa, even though normally we would say that one should not purchase earthenware utensils from an amaretz. Because again, if somebody's not careful with the laws of ritual purity and impurity, we'd have to assume that their earthenware utensils are problematic as well. Halach Lamaisa Chazal relaxed this standard for utensils sold from between Modi'in and Yerushalayim, allowing us to purchase utensils from Amea Aretz. And again, 
This is also driven by the fact that you can produce earthenware utensils in Yerushalayim itself. Be it earthenware utensils are a staple of day-to-day living. Chazal relaxed the standards. What's the status of Modiim itself? That depends on the circumstances of the people involved. But Allah again, there's a license to be able to do this. The Gemara telling us it's not all Kalim, day-to-day Kalim, not usage Kalim. Good for good. We'll say so that, that that's the take from the Surya. Let's go right to the Mishnah. Hagaboin. We'll say really all these just fascinating cases. Hagaboin Shenichnasu. I want to, we started early today because I want to show you some some Rambams also really fascinating halachas that the Rambam gleans from this. But let's get a little bit weiter in the Gemara first. So Mishnah says to us, Hagaboin Shenichnasu Lasochabai. We'll say listen to this. Now these are Gaboin. What kind of Gaboin are these? We'll say in this context. The Gabai means tax collectors. So look at Rashi. This is fascinating. Yisrael Shem Gaboin Lemelech Nochri, Ligbos Miyad Yisrael Gulgulios, Umasin Varnonios. So we'll say these are Jewish tax collectors who work for a Gentile king. Who work for a Gentile king. And they collect all kinds of taxes, right? There's a head tax, there's a general tax, there's an income tax, right? So they, these are the tax collectors. Now, both say, now understand, these tax collectors, by, by the right of the king, had the right to enter people's homes to seize tax collateral, right? So remember again, I both say, this would not fly with a Jewish king, because remember again, in halacha, in halacha, it's an explicit pasuk in the Torah, if somebody owes you money and you want to take collateral, you have every right as learned to take collateral. You have no right to enter into someone's home without their permission to take collateral. Pasik says, you have to wait outside and wait for the lender to bring you something. It's a very important halacha. So that's why Rashi points out over here, the in here must be working for a non-Jewish king, right? Because as a non-Jewish king would give them permission, I guess eminent domain, give them permission to go and enter into the home. So listen to this. See, here's the problem. If ultimately, again, Gabayim came into the home, then I will say, now what's, now what's the issue? What's the issue? The issue is, the assumption is the tax collectors were Ame Haaretz. Or Amea Aretz. They both say this is not a knock on the tax collectors, but it's just, it, it's fascinating, by the way. say, you know, we often have like this conception that, um, you know, it's human nature to kind of glorify the past. And we often have this idea that in the past, right, everybody was sitting and learning. They were Tamidi Chachamim, they were so wise. We'll say, isn't it incredible? The majority of people have and probably always will be Amea Aretz. Right, the say, the fact, I just want to point out what we get to do, like every single morning, learning these gemaras, learning these sugyas, learning masachas chagiga, sugyas and tumantara. We'll say this. This is like a chiddush. This is like a chiddush. What, what we're doing today has been like the purview of the of the intellectual elite throughout the generations. You see, most people were just simply unknowledgeable in these areas. We, we, we have a great sechus, a great opportunity to be able to learn these sugis that really were, you know, Mesechas Chagiga, I will say, was one of these gemaras that until the Lublina Rav came along and introduced Dafyomi, sat on the shelf, sat on the shelf. And we have this chus to crack it open and to delve into these sugis. So the tax collector was ignorant. See, here's the problem. He's right, the tax collector is coming into my house, and what is he looking for? What is he looking for? Not Mesechus Chagiga, right? What, what, right? what is he looking for? He's looking for, he's looking for an item of value, which I will say, right? He's looking for collateral. And what's the concern? He's touching my stuff, right? The concern is he's touching my stuff. So now someone's been in my house touching my stuff. And this person is an Amaretz, therefore not careful with the laws of ritual purity and impurity. Similarly, the Chena Ganovim, listen to this. Thief, someone came into my home, took stuff. Now, this is incredible. The Ganav is returning the item that he stole. We'll talk about this, right? The Ganav is returning the item that he stole. Now, here's the issue. Thank you, Ganav, for returning the item you stole. What's, my, what's the problem? The problem I have is, what's the halacha regarding Tumantara? Right? What is the status regarding Tumantara? So listen to this. So, Lomar, Lonagano. So, watch that. Listen to this. I asked, the, I asked the tax collector, no, tell me, Ruben, Ruben, tax collector, what did you touch? Right, nothing, nothing. Ganev, Ganev, you came into my house, right, you returned the item, thank you very much, what else did you touch? They are believed to say, we didn't touch anything. 
They believe to say, right? Remember again, the theme over here always is the Chumrah, I should say, the difference between the Kodesh and Shuma. They are believed to say that they did not touch anything regarding Kodesh, but not for Truma. Therefore, again, so the tax collector and the thief, if I ask them, did you touch anything? They are believed to say no. They are believed to say no. But again, Rashi points out they're believed legabe kodesh, but not for truma. In Yerushalayim, they're believed ultimately again for Kodesh. And during the times of the Regalim, they are believed even regarding Truma. We're going to discuss this idea that in Yerushalayim, during the Regalim, there is even a greater level of blanket credibility, which we'll discuss. Good. So let's analyze this. Or Minhi, really fascinating Mishnah. Or Minhi, Haga Bo'en Shenich Habayis, Habayis Kulo Tomei. Suppose they listen to this. The Gabon, the tax collectors who walk into the home, the entire home is Tomei. <laughs> so understand, what this price is highlighting is what? Which makes a lot of sense. When the tax collector comes into your house, what do you have to assume he touched? Everything. Everything. So therefore, again, everything, look at Rashi. Because the assumption is that when the Gaba is coming and he's coming in to take stuff, and therefore he's touching everything. And therefore, Allah is again, you have to treat it like Tamei. So yet our Mishnah doesn't say that. Oh, what does it depend on? Is there a Gentile accompanying the Jewish tax collector or not? This none. Listen to this. Im imohen. If the Jew is accompanied by an Anju, Then I will say, ultimately, again, here's what's interesting. If let's say the Jewish tax collector is accompanied by an Anju, we're going to see what the role of the Anju is in just a moment, right? So ultimately, again, the Jewish tax collector is believed to say, "We never entered your home." However, if the Jew is accompanied by an Anju, so the Jew is believed to say, we never entered. But once we know they entered, he's not believed to say, we didn't touch anything. So the Gemara Sarvosa so therefore again, apparently once the, so, so the Sarvosa so just before we delve into this, so the Mishnah must be talking about a case where the Jewish tax collector is acting on his own. So when the Jew is by himself, that's when he has credibility to say, I didn't touch anything. But if the Jew is accompanied by a non-Jew, then there is no credibility for him to say, I didn't touch anything. We assume if he entered, he touched everything. So the Gemara said, I don't understand, what does it matter when there's a non-Jew together with the Jew? What, what's the impact of that? Listen to this. So the Gemara said, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Lazar, Chad Amar, Emas nochri alehen. So we'll say it's machlokes. One says because there is the fear of the nochri upon him. In other words, we'll say that apparently, again, the nochri is like the senior tax collector, and ultimately, again, the Jew is kind of working for him. So in that case, because there is a fear of the nochri upon the Jew, that's when we assume that the Jew touched everything. The other opinion says, no, 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 it's not a fear of the nochri. But ultimately, again, it's a fear of the monarchy. That maybe, that maybe the guy, maybe the Nachri is going to tell on the Jew to the monarch that ultimately the Jew's not being diligent or vigilant enough in his job. My Ben Arab say, what's the Nachkamina between the two? So Nachkamina would be a situation where the Nachri himself is not an important individual. If it's about the fear that the Jew has for a Nachri, he only has a fear of the Nachri if what? If the Nachri is Chashim. But if it's about the Nachri telling on him to the king, then ultimately that could apply even to a Nachri who is not Chashib. But for our purposes, we make a distinction as to whether or not the Jew is working alone or the Jew is working with a Nachri. When the Jew is working with a Nachri, we assume that if the Jew entered, he touched everything. But when the Jew is working by himself, that's when there is the possibility to say that what? I entered, but I didn't touch anything. Incredible. The Chinaganar, both said this is a great case. Great case. So, can you imagine this? So, right, Ruben breaks into my house 
and he steals stuff. And now he comes back, he won't write, he comes back and he's returning the item that he stole. So I say to him, Ruvain, no, what else did you touch? What else did you touch? And he says, nothing. Nothing. Right there. I had, I had my mind on you. I just want, all I wanted was your Masechah's Chagiga. That's all I wanted, right? I just took one thing. That was it. I touched nothing else. Ultimately, again, he's believed. So it says the Gemara, let's understand. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Or minu, So let's listen to this. The Bryce says as follows. If, 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 right, if thieves break into my home, the only thing that's tummy is the area where, where literally I see that they walked in my house. I mean, the area that they traversed. So the only the area that I see that they were in, that's the area that is tummy. Look at Rashi. understand. By the Ganov, there's two things that's happening over here. Number one, there's what did the Ganov touch in my house? And I will say, number two, there's one thing for sure he touched, which is what? Right? The item he stole. So I will say, so I just want to point out, when the Mishnah says that the Ganov is Naaman, that means that the Ganov is Naaman, not only on the rest of the stuff in my house, but he's also Naaman on the item that he stole. In other words, I will say, that he is believed to say, I did not transmit any, any ritual pure impurity to the item that I saw. Let me give you an example of this. Let's say the Ganav stole a klicheres. Now you know this. How does the klicheres become Tameh? Excellent. From the interior, right? A klicheres. Now listen to this. I would have thought before I saw this Mishnah that, that when the Ganav stole a klicheres, I have to assume that what? He got his hands all inside of that klicheres, right? And that again, he was metameyet and he's putting shrutzim in there and he's got a kezayis of a corpse and he's doing anything and everything, right? That's what I, that's, I would think that that's what I have to assume. But yet amazingly enough, what the Mishnah says is that when the Ganav brings the kli back to me, he is believed to say that I only handled the klicheres on the exterior Never did anything in the interior, and therefore halacha lemaisa the kli cheres is tahar. Now I will say that's huge. That's that's huge. And obviously, if he's believed regarding the kli that he stole, it goes without saying that what that he's believed regarding anything else that's in my house as well. Okay. So I will say, see, that's the Mishnah. Now the Gemara quotes the Brisa. Now listen to this. The Brisa says, "Haganovim shenichnis lo sochabayis." So again, the Brisa says, "Ganovim enter into the home. The only part of the home that's tameh is the area where I see the ganovim." So I'll say, so let's say again, I see ganovim came into my home, and I see my dining room is turned upside down. The rest of the house is totally fine and intact. Dining room is turned upside down. So I realize where the ganovim. Where were the ganovim? They're in the dining room. So I will say, see, for the Bryce that says, any stuff in the dining room is presumed to be Tameh. So that sounds like anything that a Ganav handles, right, is Tameh. So certainly, again, the utensil that he steals, it's very nice that he returns it, should be Tameh as well, contradicts our Mishnah. Wow. Wow. Who are we talking about, Rabbi? We're talking about Ganavim who did Tshuva. Who did Tshuva. Well, look at Rashi. And what does it mean if they did tshuva? Listen, it's kisha asun tshuva. Umachmas tshuva hechzirum. We'll say, why is the Ganav bringing back the utensil? Bringing back the utensil. So we'll say, so you could say, you could be cynical. The Ganav is bringing back the utensil because you know what? Oh, I, I thought this was worth more, right? Right, sorry, I'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow night, right? Right, he's giving me, you could be, or, we'll say, no, 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 he's about tshuva. I'll say, even a Ganav can become about tshuva. He's doing tshuva. So Rashi says over here, because he's doing tshuva, hilchach lo meshakri. Rabbi will say, isn't this absolutely incredible? I will say, do you know what tshuva does? Tshuva restores your entire personalistic credibility. Yesterday, I was a ganav. Yesterday, I was a ganav. And today, I'm contrite. I'm bringing back the utensil. I'm returning the stolen item back to the owner. And ultimately, again, I tell him, here's the utensil. And by the way, 
I never put my hand inside of it. The klicharis is totally tar. Rabbi say, now I'd be tempted to say, yes, yeah, thank you. You're a ganov. You're a ganov. You have no credibility. Kamash malan Rabbi say that when a person does tshuva, tshuva affects a comprehensive, cathartic change. Eino osa ish, like the Ramam says, I'm not the same person. I'm someone different. When I do tshuva, it is a complete personalistic overhaul. My credibility is restored. And now that I'm doing tshuva, I'm returning the item. I am also believed to say I did not transmit any ritual impurity to the item. I just want to point out, we learn about tshuva. We hear about tshuva all of the time. And sometimes there's a little voice inside of our head that says, come on. That doesn't really work. You can't really change. You can't really become someone different. You can't really restore your personalistic credibility. And I will say here you see that it is a thousand percent unequivocally true. And it is true not just in a hashkafic sense. It's true in a halachic sense as well. That I will say, I stole the item. I'm beganov. And now again, when I return the item as a form of my tshuva, I am believed. I have credibility. I'm believed to say, lo nagati. I did not touch this utensil in a way which would have transmitted to an abosai. Incredible. Tshuva really works. It really works. It really changes who I am. It really restores my personalistic identity. My credibility is given back to me. Absolutely incredible. Dekinami, diktani, shech zero sakin shayin. Abosai, what are we talking about? We're talking about a ganav who's returning the kli. Why is a ganav returning the kli? Ultimately, because he did tshuva. So therefore, I will say there are two different cases. In a situation, ultimately, again, where the ganov rampaged through my home, and I see stuff overturned everywhere, yeah, you have to be choshesh that the ganov came in contact with these items, and therefore, they're in a state of ritual impurity. Ultimately, what's our Mishnah? Our Mishnah is talking about a case of a ganov who's about tshuva. And once you, do bal, once you become about tshuva, your credibility is restored. And once that credibility is restored, you are believed to say you did not touch the kli in a way which would have communicated tuma. Incredible. In Yerushalayim, ultimately, again, they are believed regarding Kodesh. So the Gemara says, Tana, v'ne'amonin akli cheres gasin l'kodesh. So I'll say, so remember again, in Yerushalayim, and Amaris is believed even regarding large earthenware utensils for Kodesh purposes. So remember again, in the previous Mishnah, we were speaking about the ability to go ahead and purchase Klecheres, what type of Klecheres? Small utensils. In Yerushalayim, ultimately in Amaris is believed even regarding large earthenware utensils for Kodesh purposes. The Kol Kach Lama. They both say, why, why do we go so far to believe in Amaaretz regarding large earthenware utensils? Shein Osin Kivshonos Bishan. Because as we said before, we do not make earthenware kilns in Yerushalayim. Why? Like we said before, because Halacha Lamaisa. They both say, look at Rashi. Shein Osin Kivshonos Bishalayim. Lo Ledakim Velo Legasim. Omiyo. So both say, ultimately, again, the reason for that is because Halacha Lamaisa, we don't want to blacken the walls of Yerushalayim. Incredible, incredible. So if Rabbi say, Salach what's interesting. So when it comes to, Rashi points this out, when it comes to small earthenware utensils that everyone needs, so their Chazal relaxed the standards up until where? Modim. Modim. You can purchase earthenware utensils from an Ama artist anywhere from Modim and in. Large earthenware utensils, you can only purchase from merchants where? Inside of Yerushalayim itself. Incredible. Incredible. So the Gemara goes weiter. And say, at the time of the Yom Tovim, we're going to see this Gemara. We're going to see this halacha more explicitly. In the time of the Yom Tovim, they're believed even regarding Truma. So from where do I know this from? say, remember again, we're going to speak about the fact that during the Regalim, during Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkis, Amir Aretz have an expanded level of credibility that even extends to Truma. Where do I know this concept from? Every person was gathered onto the city. Like one people. Ultimately, and I will say, so ultimately again, the Pasuk makes them like Chaveirim. Anytime they gather together. And when does everyone gather together? During the Regalim. So you see, it's a beautiful Joshua on the Pasuk, that during the Zman Asif, when everyone's gathered together, 
Everyone is treated like a chaver. We'll expound on that in a little bit. So we'll say, let's go to the Mishnah. We'll say, in other, these are great cases. Ha-poseach es chaviso. We'll say, listen to this case. Ba-maschel gafaregel. So a little bit, a little bit of, a little bit of background. Look at Rashi. Ha-poseach es chaviso. We'll say, first wide line. Chaver she-pasach es chaviso limkar yayim b'yushalayim. So we'll say, here's the case. You have a chaver b'regel. So we'll say, here's the case. A chaver. Right, so so I, I I'm a per, let's say I'm a person who is careful with the laws of Tumantara. Okay, I open up my barrel on the regalim to go ahead and sell the contents of the barrel. So I'll say, so now what what happens over the course of yamtiv? What happens over the course of yamtiv? Everybody's coming around and buying wares. So I'm saying when people buy, let's say, wine from me or different things from me, what happens? There are amei aretz and everybody's touching stuff. So I opened the barrel on Yom Tiv in order to be able to sell my wares. Look at Rashi. So we'll say, here's the, here's the issue. We just said before that during the regal, everyone is treated like, like a chaver, right? So essentially, we'll say what that means is, this is really fascinating, during the Yom Tovim, during the regal in Yerushalayim, essentially, everyone is treated like, an ama, like, like a chaver, and therefore, there's no problem of Tumas Am Haaretz. Okay, great. So now I'm a chaver. I opened up a barrel of wine. I'm selling my wine. Everybody's coming and buying from me. Fantastic. Everybody's also touching everything. Okay, so now watch this. Back to Mishnah. Posech, Eschavi, Sovamas, Lobi, Gavaragel. So here's the issue. Now I have leftover wine, or for that matter, leftover bread after the regal. Now Yom Tiv is over. So I'll say, what do I know? What do I know happened over the course of Yom Tiv? What do I know happened over the course of Yom Tiv? Everyone touched, including who? Amiya Aris. So during Yom Tiv itself, everyone's treated like a chaver. The shayla is, what could I do with my leftovers? What could I do with my leftovers? Rabbi Yehuda Yigmar. Rabbi Yehuda says, finish it up. Right? You could sell it off. Not a problem. The chum, the chum say, no, lo yigmar. You cannot go ahead and finish it up. Rashi says over here, Rabbi Yehuda Omer Yigmar, both say very simple. Rabbi Yehuda says, you have to let the chaver merchant finish it up. Why? Because if you don't let it finish it up, then what? Then what? Then the truth is, he's going to be reticent to open up additional barrels of wine or start selling off new loaves of bread because if he knows that he's going to be stuck with the leftovers, he's not, he's going to be reticent to sell additional items. And I will say, remember again, that stymies the marketplace. That stymies the marketplace. Says the Gemara, and Chum say lo Yigmar. Chum Yosef Rabbi Ami Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha, Akilad Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha. So listen to this, Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha, we're sitting on the porch of Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha. But say, I always love Gemaras like this. Because they paint like such like a beautiful, relaxing picture. They're sitting on the porch, right? They're sitting on the porch, right? And they're talking, I'll say, but you know, what does it mean for a yid to relax? You sit on the porch, you have a little l'chaim, and you talk Torah. Right? I'll say, that, that's how a Jew relaxes. On the porch, with the, I, I'm, I'm kind of infusing the l'chaim into the narrative. But it feels like it should be there, right? It feels like it should be there. So Pasachad Va'amar, Maushani Khana the Regal. So I'll say so ultimately again. So they they be, they began to go ahead and discuss Maushani Khana Baragal. Ultimately again, what's the halacha? Rashi says, Maushani Khana Libadrabanan. So I'll say here's the interesting Shaila. So let's say the Khaver has leftovers. Can he take the leftovers, package it up, and what? And what? Save it for the next yamtiv. See, this is according to the Rabbana, because according to Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says whatever is left over after yamtiv, you could sell off, right? And you could assume that it's still tar. According to the Rabbanon who say that Allah Maisa, the dispensation only applies to yamtiv, but after yamtiv, right, you have to treat the wine or the bread like it has Tomas Ama Aretz. Can you just simply leave it for the next yamtiv or not? So the Gemara says, so Amr uh, so Amrle eat so Amrle uh I'm sorry Amr Mashani Khan Luragal Regal Akhar Amrle Idah Yad Yad Hakam Mashashinba Vaat Amritani Khan Luragal Akhar How can you say that you should leave it? We know that every single Amarat and his brother touched this stuff. Right? So we know about say so ultimately on Yam Div itself the restrictions are lifted. But I both say, see, here's what's fascinating. See, when Chazal said that we lift the rest- that we lift Tumas Amaaretz on Yom Tiv, see, I will say what that means is we simply don't what there is no enforcement. 
But at the end of the day, we recognize that every Amaris and his brother touched this stuff. Which means that as soon as Yom Tev is over, according to the Rabbanon, Tumas Amaris is once again revisited upon this produce. So once you know that it's there, how can you leave it for the next Yom Tev? I, but up until this point, every Amaris was touching it as well. I'm sorry. So it's different. Up until now, Tumas Amaris during Yom Tev, essentially, the Torah suspended it. But now, after Yom Tev, it's Tamei again. To which the Gemara says, "Nimek kitanoi." Rabbi says, "Ultimately, there should be a machlokes tanoim." To tani chade yani chena l'regel acher, but tanya idach lo yani chena l'regel acher. One opinion says you can leave the leftovers for the next yamtiv, and the second opinion says you can't leave the leftovers for the next yamtiv. My love tanoihi isn't a machlokes tanoim. Lo hadik tani yani chena Rabbi Yehudahi. No. The opinion that says that you could leave it till the next Yom Tev, that's Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah. And the one who said that you can't leave it over, that's the Rabbanon. That doesn't make sense. But how Rabbi Yehuda both say, according to Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Yehuda, do you have to leave it over for the next Yom Tev? What can you do? What can you do? Finish up. Also, remember again, Rabbi Yehuda says that we let you sell off the remainder of whatever you have from Yom Tev, and we let you sell it off in a state of Tara. Because if we don't let you do that, you're not going to open up, you're not going to be willing to sell the wares freely. So the Gemara says, so Rabbi Huda would not require you to go and leave it to the next Yom Tiv. So the Gemara says, Perhaps when the Bryce has said, don't leave it over, that's Rabbi Huda. What does he when it says, don't leave it over? That means what? You don't have to leave it over because you could sell it off after Yom Tiv. And the opinion that says that you could leave it till the next Yom Tiv, ultimately again, Rabbanon. What does Rabbi Huda mean when he says you don't have to leave it over? Ultimately again, It means there is no need to leave it over to the next Yom Tiv. What comes out of here is really something fascinating. We're going to see the Rambam tomorrow, Mir Sasha. And I'm going to say, don't get nervous. I know we're only up to Amud Aleph. But again, remember, tomorrow's the last half of Chagiga, and it's a short, uh, the, the last half of Chavzan is actually, is actually a short half. But it gives us the opportunity to really relish these sugis a little bit, because they're really quite fascinating. So here we have another really fascinating machlokis. So we'll say, here's the important piece of information to remember. What is the status of Tomas Am Ha'aret during the Regal? What's the status? Suspended. There is no Tomas Amaretz during the Regal, which is fascinating. Now, what that means is, I'm a chaver. It's amazing, right? Five minutes ago, I was a ganav. Right? Five minutes ago, I was a ganav. But you see, I did shuva. I returned the stolen item. And now I'm a chaver. Right? Incredible what you could accomplish in a couple of minutes. I'm a chaver. I'm selling my, I'm selling my, I'm selling my wine. Selling my wine. Now, during the Regal. Right? So, I've got a barrel open. Every Amma artist and his brother is coming sampling my wine. So during the Yom Tiv, not a problem. Why? Not a problem. No Tumas Amma artist during Yom Tiv. Now I will say what happens. I have a half a barrel left over after Yom Tiv. What can I do with my leftover wine? So Rabbi Huda says, sell it off. Well, essentially, once you opened it, Beheter, we let you finish it off, Beheter, as well. The Rabbanon say no. The, the, the lifting of, of Tumas Amma artist is only when? Is only when? On Yom Tiv itself. But once Yom Tev is over, say, what's the status of that wine according to the Rabbanon? What's the status of the wine? What's the status? Tame. Then I will say, it sounds like according to the Rabbanon, what can I do? What can I do? I could put it away until when? Next Yom Tev, and go ahead and sell it off then. We'll see what the Rabbanon does. There. I will say just one more Mishnah, quickly. say, this is incredible. When Yom Tev was over, they would purify everything in the Beis HaMikdash. We'll discuss exactly what this means in tomorrow's Mishnah. And we'll say, but it sounds like Amea Aretz were everywhere, and those Amea Aretz, they've got their hands on everything. I right? said, so, so including everything in the base of Mikdash. We'll say, it's the throngs and throngs of people. So they would be Metaher, everything in the base of Mikdash, or in the Azar, means in the courtyard. We'll discuss the parameters of that. Avra Regal. However, if Yom Tiv ended, let's say Thursday night, so Friday was Yisru Chag, 
there wasn't enough time to purify everything in the base of Mitesh because they were busy with Shabbos. Rabbi Huda said, even if Yom Tiv ended on a Wednesday night, right? So Thursday, even then there wasn't enough time to purify everything in the base of Mikdash because the Kohanim were busy with Shabbos. Tana, Shein Kohanim Pinuyim with the Hotzi Bidash. Because we both say, what were the Kohanim so busy with on Isruk Chag? Both listen to this. This is fascinating. A Matze Yom Tiv through Isruk Chag, you know what they were busy with? Trumas Hadashan. Now, both say Trumas Hadashan is the first Tavoda every single day, which is what? Taking out of the ash. Right? Ta- essentially taking out the trash, taking out of the ash. That was a. Rabose, on Isru Chag, they were ridiculously busy with that. Why? Because there was such a high volume of carbonos that were brought over the course of Yom Tiv. There was so much ash to be taken out that Allah Chalamayi said that's what they were busy with. And therefore, again, if Yom Tiv ends either on a Thursday or a Friday, there just simply wasn't enough time to take out the ash and to purify the utensils before Shabbos, in which case they would wait for the purification of the utensils until Sunday. Rabose, what they purified... And how they purified it? Emir Hashem tomorrow, the last daf of Mesechas Chagiga. Good everyone.